The following podcast is part of the 6040 Network. Hey there, and welcome to Everything Small Business, your shortcut to start, build, manage, and grow your small business. I'm Cherie, and in today's episode, I'm sitting down with David Ford, creator and director of New Point Recruitment. He's also a founder of Gold Coast Professionals Hub. Now, this is all brought to you as part of our mini-series called Share Your Small Business Story. In this episode, David shares his knowledge and expertise in current recruitment trends and strategies, and his experience building an engaged LinkedIn group during the middle of a pandemic. We're going to kick off the interview with David's view on probably one of the big topics in business today, and that is in hiring people in the time of the Great Resignation. David, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome to Everything Small Business. When you put out a post asking for people, did they know anybody else who may actually be fit for roles? And then it just made me like keep thinking of you know the whole great resignation thing and what your take on that yes. was and how hard it actually is to recruit. Yeah, cool. So first and foremost, I, I didn't do some research on it, but I'd love to know who the person was that got out there and put out the big the great resignation because yeah. I feel like I feel so I feel it's a whole lot of fluff it's kind of like that four minute work week or whatever it is four hour work week if you've ever read the book it's about make no money and just work a couple of days a week and slip off your parents trust fund like that's what that book really is about and just go and travel and yeah you know, if you've read the book you know what I'm talking about go and travel and just hang out in places and not achieve anything and then finally when you settle you've got no money same guy probably did the great resignation because I haven't seen it like I think that yeah someone of influencers got up there and they've said it and someone's going oh wow that's interesting and then it's built from there and someone else has jumped onto it and put their two cents in it hasn't happened it was supposed to happen like march i think like earlier this year and and what what has happened though for, in my experience and from what i've seen because we're in recruitment first and foremost covid's wiped out a lot of things so so the landscape's changed and to give you, a, I suppose, a, a picture on numbers, so March 2019, when we weren't hit, I advertised a um, an administrative role for a client just in Southport, and we had about 770-odd applications for that role, which was kind of the norm. Like, we'd normally get 500, 600 plus for admin roles. One year later, so going to... Um, going to March 2020, they, they're growing, they're in strata, so it's a completely different thing. So everyone was kind of contracting and they were just going ballistic, which was because everyone was home now being able to, be, you know, and they're calling body corporate, so they were busy as. But but I advertised exactly the same role um, because they were just growing and they needed the same role in their office. And I was lucky to breach 120 applications for exactly the same role, exactly one year apart. So it was, so going from 770 plus to one, to I think it was like 118 or something at that time. That's a huge number of people out of the market. And, and I didn't know, you know, it was very hard to gauge what had happened there. Cause I don't know, it's very hard to put it down to, you know, what that change had been. So, um, so I suppose I look at that great resignation thing as well, like coming back to that. People have changed what they're after. Like, uh, so people, and so kind of moving ahead another year, people were looking at, you know, I've been working from home a bit now, so I want a bit more, you know, life with my children and seeing them and seeing family and, and, and having that flexibility. So people were moving into that kind of mode during that period. And that has nothing to do, the, the great resignation was called well before COVID. 
So it was originally called before COVID. Unless I knew that was going to happen, the COVID was happening. <laughs> but yeah, what I found was, so during that COVID period, and, and now I call it kind of like the return, like everyone coming back to the office, people are wanting a bit more flexible options and people were already moving towards the side hustle as everyone calls it. You know, having that little business on the side and wanting to do that and work part-time and build something here. So that was already in effect, I think. So I've seen people now wanting to do their own little thing as well as do some work to get the income because they're not putting 100% into their side hustle, which they should. They should just go all in and they never end up making anything from it half the time anyway because they've still got a job. They need to have the money cut to make sure they get money. So I've seen those types of things. So I don't, I, there's no great resignation. Like there have not been large candidate numbers coming to us saying, I want to change careers now and I want something more fulfilling. And that's happened forever anyway. That's always happened. But there's been no mass exodus from, I talked to a lot of recruiters as well. And believe me, there's a massive shortage. There's not the candidates out there. So a lot of people are bettered in. What they do want is good culture. So, and culture is a number of things, of course. But they, yeah, they want a good workplace. I'll give legal as an example. I, I recruit in the legal sector and it's really hard now. And, and, you know, shout out to those people that are my clients that know that I try and poach from you. <laughs> so I've been approached by a few, um, a few people from law firms saying, don't poach my staff. But, but, you know, it's part of what we do, but, but it's very hard. This is the interesting thing. It's been very hard to actually grab a person and say, Hey, come and work over here. They've got a fantastic culture, which they do, but they do too now. So they've been working hard on creating a good culture there as well and a nice workplace. So when a person's got a nice workplace and the money's similar, like why, why, leave? why move? Yeah. So, you know, that, so those types of things are changing a bit and people are staying put now. Um, I don't think there's as much uncertainty now, which is good, but people are just staying because things have changed. And, you know, obviously people are still jumping from the places that haven't changed, of course, but that's an interesting thing I've seen in the market. So that actually raises a really good question. I've written a couple of things down here. Is yeah. What do you think then actually defines a good culture? Yeah, so it's, it's an individual thing, really. Like it's always your own experience that defines what a good culture is. But looking at foundations, some people kind of talk about having vision, mission, values and having all that there not necessarily the case like I think that it's more about does a person wake up in the morning and go yeah that's a pretty cool place to go to for work and it's fulfilling and I'm getting something out of it and the people are nice and you know the new lady started last week and she's pretty cool too you know like if you're coming into that type of work environment, because that culture reflects on your values, of course. So if your values align with everyone being, I call them reasonable, like everyone's just, to me, good culture is about being reasonable. I think I can just use one word, reasonable. You know, if they're supporting and, you know, if you've got, you've got to, like a lot of people forget, like I had an inquiry the other day for a role and the person, you know, had some medical issues and they just wanted to have, you know, like, you know, they needed time off from time to time to go catch these appointments and all that. And I said, yeah, they're really supportive. Our client, they've got an excellent culture. They've got all of the really good workplace, health and safety. They've got an excellent HR team. But she wanted more than that. And that's unreasonable. Like, because I said, you know, if you put in for annual leave days and take that type of stuff, you know, that's all available to you. And she goes, oh, no, no, I just want those days off to go and do those things as well. And I was like, well, that's unreasonable. Like that's not what our client wants from a person because the person's going into a business and they forget they're going into a business that's there to be profitable to stay open and make money for an owner or shareholders or whoever it is. 
So people forget, they get in a bit greedy. They're wanting more than what is reasonable. So do you think that's because there is this belief, I guess, that exists that, you know, their skills are all in demand and all these jobs that are just going begging. So therefore I'm going to demand more? Yeah. So I think it's a mix of the COVID thing. So people working from home. So they had that flexibility. They could duck out and go do something and, and it wasn't, it didn't even blip on the radar because everyone else was, you know, so, so they could duck out, do those things, except for some of those poor souls that had webcams hooked up to their computer and. <laughs> had screen time logged and all that kind of stuff because I know those people um, mm. that had those things. I kind of don't work in those places anymore because that kind of sucks. Yeah. But like to have that micro, micro, micro management of you getting up to go to the loo and all that, yeah, it's just a little bit too much. But, yeah, like people had that flexibility and now they're back in the workplace and they're going, oh, geez, but I need to go to the doctor like it was easy before and now it's not easy because everyone's watching me and I need to get out and go do that so you know I was allowed to do that before so why should I take you know and because it was accepted because it was hidden now they think you know they can't just substitute that for annual leave or doing some or or sick leave or whatever to to you know go and do those things but that's the reasonable things you know you get your 10 days personal leave and you know and then make that up in hours and that's okay but there needs to be some kind of back and forth like there needs to be an agreement like the whole workplace thing is an agreement yeah, I definitely yeah. agree with that. And, yeah. and I think that that's sort of maybe one of those things that has changed. Like, do you think now employers are going to require people more come back into an office or still stick with a work from home or more of a hybrid model? Yeah, more work from office. Yeah, definitely more work from It depends. Like in the digital world, like, you know, as far as digital marketers and people that are more agency related, like, you know, they've found that, you know, working from home and web developers and things like that, those types of things have worked well, you know, like in the legal space, you know, from time to time doing a day at home, like, you know, maybe one day a fortnight or something like that to really focus on their admin or, you know, like just things like that. They're okay, but like, you know, coming to me straight away and, you know, you're an unknown asset at this time, you're applying for a role and saying, oh, I just want to be there three days a week and or two days a week and work the other three days from home. They haven't proven anything yet to the employer. And I think that people need to take a step back and go, I'm going to get in there, do a really good job, prove that I'm really efficient. And then I'm going to ask the question if I can drop a date or do something like, you know, like this will work from home, but show I'm productive first and show that I've actually got some value first and then ask for it. But people are asking for it up front and they're not our people. They don't fit the culture of that organization because they're wanting more than what they're willing to prove first. Yeah, so it's been an interesting thing. But yeah, like there's been a lot of hybrid models, but most of very much work from the office, I have to say. And I found that a trend that there's more people returning to the office anyway, and that's because they're missing the micro chats. So the water cooler chat or whatever you want to say, but, but even sitting in a room where you've got like even three people around you and hearing the buzz of things going on or hearing the buzz of someone talking about a project that they're working on and they go, oh, I can contribute to that, which you don't get in the Teams meeting because you weren't privy to that overhearing that conversation. So they're missing those things in the contribution that they make. Um, and that's been a really important thing that a lot of my clients have picked up on as well. With us where we are, like, so we run an accounting practice and then we've got the other side of the business as well. With the other side, we work 
from the office two days a week and we do that Mondays and Thursdays so to open the week and sort of towards the end of the week but obviously we've got they work a little bit far they live further away than where our office is so it's like a 45 minute commute and obviously with things like fuel that's a lot yeah yeah, Yeah. so with things like fuel we're like you know what you can take the two days it's you know we're not going to require you to come in at all for that like you know and and that seems to have worked really well but they like you said before you know they've demonstrated that they are more than trustworthy and yes. um, we found that the communications in a lot of respects have improved certainly on those two days but you're dead oh. spot on the collision events that you have just as you're walking past or overhearing other conversations actually mm. make for a much more productive workplace too they do they do because you know it could take someone like in that conversation a good couple of hours to try and work something out Whereas that person that's overheard their comment, because you hear overhear lots of things and, you know, everyone loves to put in their two cents if they know something where someone's stuck just to help out or just to feel good. <laughs> so, you know, they could cut down a good two hours of lost time because they've already got the results somewhere on their computer from a project that they did. So there's always that contribution that gets missed. And as I said, that's kind of been that push to, oh, we want someone in the office. That's, yeah, that's what we need. And, and we need that first anyway for them to bed in with the team and know who people are and, and do all those, you know, do all that kind of stuff. So just with the recruitment side, I guess just to help people who might not quite know, what actually does recruitment do and how does it distinguish itself from sort of, I guess, the more traditional HR? Yeah, so HR is more about advice and policy and what you sit in, like the framework of what you do, whereas the recruitment aspect is purely a function of HR. So, yeah, it's probably the best way to say it, but... HR is the framework and everything that fits in that, like your workplace health and safety, your employee relations and, you know, recruitment itself, policies, all your procedures, all of that is the whole framework that you'd operate around in, as well as, you know, any employee assistance programs that you might provide. And yeah, and recruitment just being a function of that is, you know, obviously about the sourcing and retention of stuff. Like, you know, even retention is kind of sitting outside recruitment. It's very much that front end part of, you know, that model. So how did you come to be in recruitment? Well, that's a long story and I'll keep it really short. <laughs> I had a really significant workplace event that happened. Like I, I was originally going to be in environmental science. I went to I, the third uni I was about to go in. I wanted to be a fisheries officer. So it's very different to recruitment. <laughs> I cared for the environment and I cared for, I loved fishing and I just really wanted to make sure that the little guys were looked after. <laughs> so, <laughs> but. I didn't do that. I deferred, uh, went through retail, I was a little bit lost for a few years and um, got into equipment hire and a significant event happened there. Um, a person, I was in the office, uh, we were known as a blue shirt. We had the green shirts out and there's a bit of division there. So, you know, we've got our labourers out the back there and we're in the office doing doing that work. And, and I recall um, a guy just went across from the head office into ours on a forklift across a, a main road, all dressed up and he got sacked. He had high heels on and all that and operating at the forklift. And, you know, every, obviously everything's unsafe and, and he's being a jerk. Um, and yeah, he got sacked, but the union came in. There was a huge stop work meeting and I was in the office and I was told, don't go out there. Just don't, just keep your head down, do your thing. And, um, so I didn't listen to that advice and I went outside and because I wanted to know what was going on. I didn't understand. I thought the guy's an idiot and. He's been sacked and, you know, which he deserved. And, yeah, I went out there and I saw this huge union movement and, and I went, 
I don't think that that's appropriate and I want to try and not necessarily fight that. That's probably not the word. It's, it's more about understand how to deal with that and, and work with that. Yes, yeah, so I looked up some things, did some research and yeah, enrolled in the HR course. And it was just a one year certificate type course at four and, and then I liked it. So I went on and studied further and, you know, and moved into HR. We had a moved from Sydney to the Gold Coast. And, you know, I came up here and I didn't have work. I, the work I thought I had fell over. So went back into what I knew, which was equipment hire. And I spent pretty much a whole year trying to get into some form of HR or recruitment. And as a guy, it was very female bias, which was interesting. It was very female bias back in 2001. So anyway, long story short, about nine months in, a guy said, I really like you. I'm going to try and help you out. And he vouched for me and I got a role within their company which was fantastic. He showed me around and just, yeah, got me in, which was fantastic. And I started dealing with, so my first five years were with dealing with unemployed. So I was working with the job network, which was part of the government, getting people back into work. And that was a very, very, very interesting place to work. And, and you know, you deal with people, you know, some really great people that have just been made redundant through to people that are trying to dodge the system massively <laughs> and had been for 10 plus years, a lot of them. So trying to get those people into work, it was a very, very interesting thing. And I learned a lot about people. I learned a hell of a lot about people and what motivates people. And I believe that that part there really, really set me up for what I do. I'm not a sales recruiter like most people are in this, like in this field. Most people are sales people in this field, you know, and not to take away, there there are a lot of HR practitioners in this, like, you know, the work within the recruitment framework, as you would call it, like commercial recruitment. But yeah, but my side's definitely about the people and definitely about understanding people and how they fit, what their motivators are and why people do things. That really fascinates me. So fast forward, I was working um, GFC at HIT. I'd been in HR advisory. I'd gotten out of like the job network and that's so I was in commercial recruitment and then working with a couple of people that I'd known from a previous recruitment place and their business collapsed during the GFC. So they made it through 2008. And then in 2009, around that Easter time, they just said, do you want to buy our business? And I went, well, there's nothing to buy. <laughs> and it was under their name. Uh, really lovely people, but it was under their name. So I actually just said, I'll start my own agency. And the name New Point came from, it was a new point in my life. It was a new point of difference in the market. So I had all these kinds of connotations with it. Yeah, hence New Point Recruitment. Pretty basic name, but that's what it is. <laughs> you know, it's always nice to, how, how people choose the names is, you know, really yeah intriguing you know usually there's a reason behind it yeah like at first there wasn't I was just coming up with anything at first and <laughs> well now everybody's got to find like social properties and then they've got to find a name that will fit across all of the stuff that yeah. they can get <laughs> yeah so I was lucky I was just yeah as I said I, I had all these things I think I, I think blue point was going to be the first part and that has absolutely nothing to do with anything and that was taken I went really need to think about this and I went ah oh, this is yeah this is a better way to think about what I was doing and that's what I delivered we had a really really strong SEO. I had fantastic web development that started me out and um, had a fantastic SEO strategy so most recruiters were closing at that time or reducing their offices and we went hardcore on SEO first like just organic and we ranked them number one for pretty much seven and a half years from that point and I still I don't know I'm going to do a Pepsi challenge here and just say I still rank probably top three you know from the work that we do from an SEO side so there's a lot of a lot of things we do in the back end the 
you know, because it's about being found. Like I've had a very strong sales and marketing training in the last four years, five years. Yeah. So I've had some very strong training in that regard to understand how to capture people, like hence the Gold Coast Professionals Hub. <laughs> and, so, and that was a, you know, I know that that was started in 2015, but it wasn't. It was me and like there was probably 12 mates and two executives that I was able to try and grab at the time. And then I'd forgotten all about that. And in March 2020 during COVID, that's when I, all of my sales and marketing training went into play because I had to think fast because it was, I'd lost all of my business at that. So March 2020, I, I pretty much lost everything except that one Strata client. <laughs> And I had to think fast and I went, what have I got as far as asset? And that was there. And I went, well, it's an unrealized asset. What can I do with it? And I got to work and I sent out three to 400 invitations per day to join that group. Wow. And, and I was relentless. I've actually got that on my desk. It's, it's something I learned. It was be relentless. It's, that was from my training and I was, I'm a bit kind of OCD and, you know, and I'm a maths and science guy. So it's about how things work and numbers and, and make it happen. So yeah, and then I found out that LinkedIn groups were not very good at all. It's still not very good, but I worked out how to master it and how to actually increase engagement and actually do something with it. And basically I was sending out three to 400 and then rescinding around 300 mark each every three days and resending again. It was just this endless cycle. And we got to June, end of June in 2020. And I went, there are no events on. And I was a bit of a Bitcoin guy as well. So I, I love FOMO. You know, it's one of those, one of those things. I'm not a Bitcoin guy now. I was, I was just into that stuff and altcoins and all that. But, but what I learned from that was definitely about FOMO. You could just see it. And I went, okay, what I need to do is run an event because there's nothing on whatsoever. So I put a shout out to the group and there were eight of us that got together down at Isle of Capri at Capri on Via Roma, just near Edgewater Dining. I just said, go grab a coffee. There's about four or five cafes. Grab a takeaway. Meet me down the bottom there. And yeah, and, and from that, I put that post out and it was interesting. The people that I had there, I didn't realize that they knew many people and they did. And I got over 4,000 views on that first post. And I went, cool. On top of that, I actually got people going, there was an event on. Where was it? What's going on? And so I went, cool. I've done the FOMO part now. And now I can really drive it and get people engaged. So that's kind of where it started. And then I just kept consistency. It's all about consistency. And that was the the major thing. You can't just run something and then live off that. You've got to run it and run it and run it and keep at the invitation side and keep everything going. So there's a hell of a lot of work in the back end to get it to where it is now. It's only been, what, two years now and we've just hit that 2,800 mark. So it's been, yeah, some really nice growth. And the Gold Coast is only, and that's the important part. I want to keep it very communal and give something back to people. Like you, you've been on the page. You can see yeah. that, you know, we try and introduce people and, you know, it's it's all free. It's It's got nothing to do with that. It's really about introduce people, engage people, build a community. And you now I'll go to an event and, you know, you run into people and they go, hey, Dave, how's it going? And I go, I think I know you. <laughs> so, and it's not a rude thing. It's just that you're getting known for building community. And that's really cool. It's so important. I think my personal belief is there's, there's probably going to be more more of a shift back towards more local connections and people doing business with people, not just who's got the biggest advertising budget online. And I think yeah. it's going to become way more who 
do you know that does this type of thing? So therefore, a community is a massive asset for sure. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that we find that like in there, like there's a lot of referral that happens as well. So and it's not like, you know, some of those traditional networking groups. So we, a person said to me the other day, actually, when we were at Usher the other day, one of the people said to me, she goes, it's really not like the networking groups and where you've you know got this thing of having to refer someone and think of all these things you got to do. She said, it's I don't like the term networking for this group. It's just a community. And that's what we're trying to build, like a business community. But I'm loving the friendships. Like it's uh, works hard enough, like works hard enough in personal life and doing all the stuff you do. And, and having three kids, I had a lot of hair before I had three kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all those things. Like, you know, like so life can be tough. And if you can go and just do something just before you go into work and have a coffee and have a laugh. And most people there actually don't talk about business. Like they might mention, you know, if they're new or something, you know, this is what I do. The talk just goes to a natural conversation and I found we've built friendships from it, not just, you know, the business contact. So that's all it does. If it just builds some friendships for people, then I've done my job. Like I love that. It's cool. Yeah, it's definitely been a really good thing. I mean, and just coming back to the name of Newpoint, I think it's one of those really important things because do you work mostly with bigger business though or small business? So I work with a range of businesses. So like most of the roles that we recruit are, fall under that corporate services umbrella. So, you know, so your IT, finance, legal, marketing, you know, sales, your admin and HR. So most of those types of roles, that's what we do. And I like doing that, Brett, because it gives me a good picture of an organization. And I do executive as well. So working across that range of roles gives me a good insight into what the business is and, and how they operate. So I think, and again, coming back to that question, so the businesses, they range from small businesses to, you know, multi-million dollar companies. So yeah, it really comes back to when the person afford to use the recruiter or, or have they had enough and finally made that decision to use us um, because obviously we charge a fee for our services that you know, meets some expectations of budget and sometimes it doesn't. But that's, for me, it's, it's a hard thing to, to define. I don't get impressed by someone that's, you know, got this huge business because I know the things behind the scenes aren't always as rosy as you make out. I'm more about are you interested? Are you a nice person to work with? And because I look at it from two sides as well, I need to do a like whilst I'm doing a service for the employer by finding a person for them, I need to do a service for the employee as well or that candidate that's on the market by providing a good opportunity. I reject a lot. Thankfully, I, recruitment's looked after me from a financial side. So I've got the beauty, and I didn't in the past, like, you know, a good number of years ago when I was starting out, you take any work you can, right? And <laughs> you just take it and it sucks and you got beaten up and you just, and you did it and you think you made maybe five cents or you went backwards five cents, like on the deal. Now I really assess a role and I assess the conversation that I'm having if they sound you know, if, if a manager of a business is arrogant and they're asking for unreasonable things, I won't take the role because it puts that candidate in a bad position. Like, you know, they're going to go and interview with them and they're going to hate it anyway. But if they're desperate, they take the role and they have a bad time. So I don't want to facilitate that. But it strikes me that your type of like occupation actually has to create win-win outcomes because you need to satisfy the client who's paying you. But also in order to be paid and retain that good relationship, you need to have employees that are placed that can do the job, they're competent, you know, and that they stick around. Correct. Yeah. Like, so there's a lot of risk management. I actually said there's a lot of risk management in what we do. So I need to see with a person, if they're the only candidate, and this is the market we're in at the moment, sometimes we're faced with this is the only candidate and 
I would rather make the decision and call my client and say, look, I did interview them and it's a no. That's a no. And I say, yeah, but we need that accounts person. And I go, yeah, I know, but that's, I can send them to you, but they're just going to disrupt your workplace if they do stay and you're going to let them go. And I've got to, I'm going to have to refill the role anyway. So, because you just know they're not going to work. Like, as I said, my, I'm about studying people. I understand. Like, it's a hard thing to define. Like, it's just, I see certain patterns and there's certain things that I see and pick up on and, and I have to make a, a call on it. So, well, it's like a gut yeah. feel, isn't it? It's that knowledge it that you get from doing countless numbers of interviews that you know how they pan out, that it just becomes a yeah. innate, a pattern, really. Yeah, it's a pattern and you see the same people and I get that phone call and especially when I have a BDM role and I get that bulldozer on the phone and just, you know, and I go, okay, cool, I know who you are. Like I already know who you are within a couple of seconds and you're not going anywhere else. I'll give you some lift service and I'll be very polite and just please apply. But that's about as far as it goes. Because there's no point in me being rude. Like it's yeah, I just obviously want to be professional and give them that opportunity to present themselves, but it's already shut down, unfortunately. Yeah. It, it just doesn't suit the market anymore either. You can't be a bulldozer in sales anymore either. Like people don't cop that. So mm. yeah, and then those things right across. Like I was I'm doing a CEO role at the moment and the people that have gone forward, best way to describe it, some executive recruiters would be really impressed by the big global organization stuff. And, you know, I led this and I did that and I parachuted in, like, you know, all of the big speak, it doesn't impress me. I don't care. The humble ones that have got the points on the board, they're the final four that are going for interview. So... As I said, like, and they've done those things as well, but they were very humble about it. And that workplace needs a good leader, someone that's going to respect and listen to the people that are there. Yeah, I think I mentioned before, my partner, Henry, he does a lot of leadership. So when he goes into a workplace, he is an absolute master at being able to pretty much sounds like do what you do, which is almost immediately identify the type of person that it is probably through patterns of behavior, but certainly from experience and the types of like leadership model that might need to be for a certain workplace in order to get them from where they are to where they need to be. It's not always the same. And what got you to point A or to B might not get you to C and you do need to have a bit of a transition as well. So it's correct. um, Yeah. Yeah. Finding that personality type, you know, it's a incredible. And honestly, to even have six to 700 applicants for, role oh my gosh I wouldn't even know where to begin (laughs) it's easy and and a lot of the times like if my system loves me on that day and it works properly you know I can people pretty much get like three to four seconds and that's it like I'll just go no 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 yes no no like on that first scan like they don't get very much time at all if this as I said if the system's up if not it's you know maybe five or six seconds they get but but I'm onto it and yeah just drilling it out you just do it in batches and just kill that number pretty quickly so and that's doing your job properly as well like it's you see it and you know what you're looking for so do you use a process then or is it something that you've created yourself yeah so so I've got my software and I do not screen via software because in my past like I did it I, I used like and I still can I just don't prefer to do it anymore I used to create resumes for candidates as well so you know had them up and put all your skills up the top there to meet because a lot of recruiters have probably moved away from it now but there was a big period where recruiters used software to screen candidates and it was all keyword driven and like if a person said you know I've got Microsoft Office and a person with an equal resume was instead of Microsoft Office it was Microsoft Word Excel Outlook 
PowerPoint, that person got selected over the other person that was probably better because of that percentage. So that's where software doesn't work very well for people. I've always preferred to actually just look at every resume. But as I said, it's process and as I said, that math, science and pattern kind of thing. And just <laughs> I can just sit there and, you know, just bang out a number and then take a break and come back to it and hit more. So, you know, because the motivation at the end is that I get paid money. So, <laughs> I guess yeah, one of the things then would be, what do you reckon that small business owners should know when coming to appoint a recruiter then? Yeah, so I think it comes back to gut feel again, like at their end, like they've got to have a conversation with the person and because I have to draw a picture really quickly. So it's probably more about what kind of questions is the recruiter asking? Are they saying, yes, I've got that. Yes, I understand. I understand what you're talking about. You know, are they clarifying things? Are they upfront with their terms of business? Are they upfront with, again, it's all kind of like conversational because you want them. So there's probably no no one bit of advice. It's now you can read lots of reviews. Like I know some recruiters that have got, you know, hundred plus reviews on their site, but and I knew some other people that have got heaps of reviews on their site, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they do a good job. They just have a process set up that if you got a placement, you know, or, or to proceed further, you've got a review. So so people give the five star review anyway because they've got to proceed and go through some. So you can read some on there. And if you're familiar with some of the companies that, you know, might be on the person's website or familiar with some of the people, you can kind of get a good gut feel that they're working, you know, they're doing a good job. But I think more so it's about the conversation when engaging a recruiter, like getting that gut feel that the person understands what they're talking about or are they just taking a job order? A good example around sales again, around sales, and I had a, a client that were using another recruiter and that recruiter traditionally because of who they are and what they do, they just took a job order and it was for a sales representative. They hadn't had much come through in the, that first week, uh, which is not maybe they jumped the gun a little bit, like, you know, in that first week, but they just had this kind of gut feel that they weren't sure if they were on the same page. I went in for a meeting and I asked the question, I said, so what do you want from the role? Like, do you want just a sales rep to service what you're currently doing or do you want to build business? And I go, oh, we want to build business and do this stuff, like, you know, get some relationships and that. And I said, well, you need a BDM instead. Like, you need someone that's more strategic to help you do this, this, this and this. Yeah, yeah, that's what we need. And we successfully recruited that for them and, and it worked really well. But I didn't take the job order. I questioned the job order. So instead of saying, yes, you need an admin person, no, you actually need an office all rounder that does accounts and that as well. So, you know, if you get an admin person, they don't necessarily have accounts experience. So just asking them the questions that will give you the, you know, if the recruiter's not asking those questions, then, you know, the answer's probably there that might not be the right one to engage. And then too, from a business owner, it sounds like that they need to have a very clear idea about what they view as success for the role. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So like when I get those inquiries where someone says, well, we need this, but I'm just trying to work out the moment where this fits in that. And I'll give them some suggestions. And then I'll say, come back to me with a wish list. Just write it all out, send it to me. I'll decipher it. And is it two roles? Is it just the one role? Is it a real role? Is like, is there somebody out there that actually is not a unicorn that actually can do half of these types of things? So I normally give them that opportunity to send it to me so I can say, oh, okay, cool. This is what you're after. And sometimes they've had a go themselves and they put an ad out there. I ask them to send the ad through as well because it helps me get inside their head because whatever they were writing at that time reflects on where their mindset is as to what they're trying to get. It might not be on track and that's why it didn't work, but at least it gets me inside their head as far as what they were looking for. 
So why do you think then that person should use a recruiter versus just trying to do it themselves? Yeah, so there's a lot of things like, you know, there's lots of sales speakers such to say, you know, saves your time, save your money with the right hire and all those things. I really think that it's, you're just getting an expert in the space that just does what they do. Like they do it day in, day out. And if you get a good person, which I try and think I am sometimes, <laughs> when you, if you get a good person though, just focuses on doing that because it's really heartbreaking when a client, no, it's not heartbreaking in the sense of, you know, for me, like for them though, it's really heartbreaking when they go to all the effort and they've screened 100 resumes or 50 resumes and they've set up some interviews and no one turns up. Yeah, because then they've got to go back to it again. They go, what did I do wrong? Did, is it our company? Is it, see, I filter those things. You know, I've had my no-shows in the past, most definitely. So, you know, that does occur, like, you know, at my client end. Like, a, you know, it happens to me lots, but the person's definitely screened out. But even just that simple thing of the person not showing up really hits a small business because they've tried to put time aside because that, especially the owner, they could be the technician in the business as well. You know, sometimes they're not that, they're not two levels removed. They're the technician in the business actually doing part of the work or seeing the clients and they've earmarked, you know, one to two hours or put that aside for a few interviews and now it's unproductive. They don't have anything to show for it or, or a staff member. Mm. Yeah, so I think the best thing, you know, like we do cost money and, and sometimes we cost a lot of money compared to your budget, like as far as what you're looking for. But the value comes through in what we're doing in the screening and vetting we're doing to, because we've just got processes. Like, you know, you've got processes in your business. We've got processes in our business to do what we do properly to give you an outcome. Cool. And probably the last thing on that is if you're in a small community like the Gold Coast, for example, everyone knows each other <laughs> remarkably, especially in accounting firms and law firms and all that. Everyone knows each other. So if you're in a law firm and you're running a law firm and you call someone from another law firm to come and work for you, it's highly likely that they'll probably tell their boss. <laughs> and there's a, and same with accounting firms. Um, you guys are a lot more quiet, but yeah, so you guys just hold the grudge instead. But, but people know each other. So engaging a recruiter to do that removes you from the you know removes you it gives you one degree of separation and we and i can take a beating <laughs> someone, someone calls me out and you know we can take that beating on your behalf and i still will play poker with you and will never tell you if i was instructed to or not it's just how it goes because it's a client privilege and they know that especially law firms know that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah that, and that's just focusing on that because it's just been a really funny one on the gold coast yeah. <laughs> It is. It's like it's kind of unique, but I mean, you're obviously not originally from here, so right. it's kind of clicky community, I think, but yeah, very welcoming. Yeah. And I think because we get a lot of people that sort of come and go and, and things like that, we do get to see a lot of change. But um, yeah. I, like I'm an, an original. I was even born here, so oh wow, you're one back. of the very few, one of the few that I know. But um, that's the funny thing. Yeah, when I came to the Gold Coast, like you know, I had my work buddies throughout the years, but nothing was ever very close. It was a really interesting one. So I had my work buddies, and it wasn't until I really started this group that I actually developed some proper friends. So and that's only been the last two years, and I've been up here since two thousand one. Wow. So it's, uh, yeah, and not to make me cry or anything, but just to say, you know, <laughs> as I said, I've had those friends, like I've had those work colleagues and friends and all that throughout those years, but nothing really, really stuck, except one guy, yeah. So everyone else is not really stuck, and this time around, like it, it just feels different because everything's been approached differently. And, um, and I've, of course, my thing about building the group wasn't to make friends because it's silly because <laughs> it's about work. But, yeah. 
what's come of it has been that as a, just as a byproduct. It's really cool. But I think I guess what it is too is it's genuine. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's it's not a forced thing. It's not anything like that. It literally is just, hey, come and have a chat. Not stressful, right. not anything. Just turn up if you want or get a ticket and yeah. go. Well, that's kind of half the battle with that group as well is that I live by the kind of thing of no rules. The only rule is like yeah, Usher was a little bit different because they hosted and, and it was paid for. But normally it would be if we're going to a venue just to respect the venue by buying of a drink. That's my only rule. Turn up within the designated period and buy a drink to support that place for opening up early for us or, yeah. or hosting us there. But as far as engagement, whatever, you can do whatever you like and be there as long as you like. And, and that's been the success of it, the fact that we can just come and go. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. definitely really like that. And um, cool. I mean, obviously, I don't know how you find the time, to be honest, Like, because I see you on there <laughs> and you're quite active. And I guess that kind of ties in too with LinkedIn is not the same as Facebook. You know, they're totally different platforms, different ways people use them and things like that. So yeah, it- it's crossed over a lot. It has crossed over a lot. And part of what I tried to do with the LinkedIn group was to Facebook it a little bit in the actual group. Because normally when you see a person's profile, it's quite uptight and they're in a suit or, you know, something like that. So when I do those introductions, it's always like two to five non-corporate photos. And I've had people jumping out of planes and people in cars and trucks and people doing all bizarre things and skydiving and, you know, like just a whole lot. Like I've had, you know, their dogs, their kids all over. And so, you know, I remember actually one of the funny ones um, was lawyer. She has a law firm here on the coast and I said, send me uh, some pics. And the main pic was her trying to take a selfie but three kids jumping all over her. And it was really cool because like the corporate photo is not that. And I wanted to bring some real life to it. And that's what makes it. So, yeah, and that's what I want to bring to the community. No, I like that. It's people being real, you know, kind of. It is. Yeah, that whole corporate is the uptight and it's like almost how it's you're supposed to be, not yeah. actually how you are. So it's nice to see personality come in. Correct. Yeah. And that's what I, I wanted from that. The personality so that people can engage and someone says, you know, I love wine. Not too much. I just like wine. And someone else says, yeah, yeah, I like that. I have been to that region and they've just built that little connection there. It's just that real little icebreaker that kind of engages them and they start talking and that's cool. And then they might see each other at a, an event or something and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, that person likes this. And, and it all just works. It seems to work that way. No, that's really cool. So I guess is there any lessons that you'd like to share either, I guess, actually as your time as a business owner? Yeah. So never underestimate anyone. That's probably the biggest one, including yourself. You know, when you're – it's an interesting thing. When I, when I first started, like I had a – a side job, you know, is working part-time so I could get some cash flow. And it wasn't until I severed that tie that I made money. You know, I, I was doing that, but you, you're getting looked after. So I, I needed to cut that. And I, and I cut that pretty quickly. It was well, maybe three and a half, four months or something. But I went, no, 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 this is silly because you're making money, but you're not really making money. You need to just have zero come in so that you can do it. And that's the real test. So that's when you find out what you've got. But yeah, so I think that's a big thing, like understanding resilience and understanding yourself, like what you can do. I think that's the biggest lesson that you could kind of teach yourself is probably the best way to say it. It's not something I can tell someone. It's probably more so you know, finding out what you're made of. The other thing is don't put people up on a pillar. Like don't believe everyone, especially the Gold Coast. It's, um, <laughs> so I've put a lot of people up on a pedestal over my time on the Gold Coast here and only to 
because I'm a researcher, I just, and, you know, part of my job of being successful is researching people so I can make a good hire. Um, but yeah, if someone tells me that there's something, you know, look into it and I go, oh, that's cool. That's interesting. And you know, I go down the rabbit hole, like down that rabbit hole and I go, well, it's not really the right. They're not really that at all. And I came across that a lot on the Gold Coast. So yeah. And you're laughing because you probably agree with that. I am and because my partner from South he's from South Australia. So we're yeah. very big wine people. And um yes. he he calls the Gold Coast the rat with the brass tooth because it, they can't even afford gold because it's all veneer. Yes. yes, true. I like that. I like that. Because <laughs> it's yeah, and they're not all like that. Like there's some people no. that have really achieved lots of things here, but there's some people that they haven't achieved, they've been funded. And that's a different thing. When you're going through different rounds of funding and you've got this persona and you're talking at events and and I'm going to upset people now because I'm not using any names but I'm just saying on a whole you see some of those people that are elevated in like in our community here and not just ours like Brisbane and you know across the world this happens but they don't really have anything and they don't own anything because they're all funded so you kind of elevate those people and it makes you feel like you're not good enough because you go oh wow they're doing so well and they've got this car and they're doing all this stuff but you know the car's under the commercial you know you've looked up the rego and the car's under a commercial <laughs> rego and you know and it's all there's nothing owned they don't own it, like mm. but they look fantastic and people beat themselves up about that a lot that they're not keeping up the joneses as people say when you learn not to worry about that keep in your lane and do your thing and do your thing well in your business then you'll do all right like that's something that i've had to learn and i got there which is awesome i got there which is fantastic <laughs> so i mean just two things to add to that one of the people that we do a lot of training with he always says comparison for any reason other than inspiration is destructive so we don't really do keeping up with the joneses the other thing is i'm an accountant i see the books yeah. for a lot of people and i got to say what the outward projection is is certainly not what the reality of the financial situation is yeah yeah exactly and and you know i've seen because as i said because i build that business partnership rather than just doing a functional job of getting the person and i didn't do that with all of my clients like my clients are the ones that you know that i continue to work with and sometimes i'll do a one-off hire because the business just required that but yeah they'll they'll confide in me and they'll say you know like and you know that there were 15 million dollars turnover but they're lucky to take home 100k or 200k and you're like there's a lot missing from that 15 million where did that go like so and they're, they're bdm or their manager's making more money than them. And I remember one only making around 45 grand a year out of a $7 million business. And you're like, man, like, what are you doing? And not to knock someone making 45 grand, but it's about that person's leading the organize their own business and not, you they're know, assuming like if you're a small, yeah, yeah. If you're just working part-time and you're doing something for a lifestyle to, you know, maybe look after your kids or do something and you're bringing 45 grand, it's not comparative to what I'm talking about. Like, you know, that's a, functional thing for your family or for what you do i'm talking about that person is you know they've got this massive turnover or in my eyes it's that's a great turnover but in the end they're not they're buying themselves a job or barely buying themselves a job and that must be frustrating yeah that's a tough one <laughs> and i'd be nice like i give my hug and <laughs> i'll get out but that's the interesting thing like you know do people want to build something or do they want to have take-home pay or like to fund a lifestyle or do whatever you know it's all a personal thing yeah very much so so i mean yeah. i guess what are your future plans then for you and then for new point yeah to keep on rocking <laughs> like for me yeah it's an interesting thing people ask me about that i suppose like you know from my end you know i suppose live a fulfilling life 
Like I, I really do. Like I just want to enjoy what I do. Like and, and recruitment doesn't always fall in that. It's not sexy and it doesn't fall in that enjoyable factor kind of world. So I learned from a sales trainer, excellent person, really changed my life years ago. And he said, because there was that big push to, you know, only do what you really love. And I like what I do, don't get me wrong, but it was more about embrace what it brings. And I really, really embrace what recruitment brings to my personal life and things that I do. So I really embrace that. And for me, like as far as growing, like I've had staff and, you know, I'll probably have another one or two staff again. And I'm not a fan of recruiters. So I don't want to get any other recruiters in here. Like it's just, you know, it's one of those things. I I have a big mistrust for recruiters (laughs) like the rest of you all. So (laughs) because... At the end of the day, what that person does and what I've seen in the market, unfortunately, reef ends up reflecting on what we do. And I don't want that reflecting on my business. So realistically, yeah, I generally have people either in marketing or resourcing in those types of areas to assist me doing what I do and doing some of the grunt work for that. So doing those things. But again, yeah, like if anything, I'd love to start a race team, a car race team. <laughs> hey, thanks for being with us today. Would you like to be able to share where people could find you online? Yeah, sure. So if you go to newpointrecruitment.com.au and also if you can find Newpoint Recruitment on LinkedIn. Um, we're on TikTok, would you believe, where we've had 3.2 million views on one of our videos. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook as well. So you'll be able to find us across all of those platforms. All right. Cool. So thanks so much for being here. I think that people who listen will definitely take a bit away. I think it's been a great conversation. Cool. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No worries. And I'll see you at the next event. (laughs) See you then. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's everything small business for today. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to stay up to date with our show, please subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. If you know someone who might enjoy this podcast, please share it with them or share it on your socials and tag us. Until next time, this is everything small business.